Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning and welcome, Genesis. We're so glad you guys are here with us live. Glad that you guys are here with us online. Uh, Let's pray as we get started this morning. Father, we have chosen to set time aside and allow you this space in our lives. We want to connect to you in in some way, whether it be through the songs that are sung, the prayers that are prayed, or the words that are spoken. Our desire is to draw near to you and in turn allow your drawing near to us to shape us. And we pray that would take place this morning. Father, I want to lift up those who are struggling. Rick sent a text about his boss's wife, Yvonne, who's going on, I think it was nine days on a ventilator from COVID. And Lord, we pray for healing for her lungs and strength for her body and recovery from COVID. We pray for Rick, too, who's not able to be here with us and others who I know who are in the hospital, who are struggling physically, Lord. Our hearts go out to them, and we pray you have mercy on them. And and Lord, may we continue to remember them in our prayers, in our texts, that they might know your love through us and our reaching out to them. And God, we do pray that this morning would be opportunity, even as I talk about a posture in prayer, to help us to connect not only to you, but to one another. Let this time be opportunity for growth in our lives and in our relationship with you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got a treat this morning. Lydia is going to be sharing music with us. Thank you, Lydia. Great job. Jordan is going to give us some announcements now. (laughs) He had to put his shoes on. (laughs) Gail, is this on? Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Uh, This week at Genesis, there are two events. This Tuesday at 7 p.m. is Art for Artists, or AFA, which is the uh, monthly gathering we do to encourage artists to come out. It doesn't matter what type of art you do. You could paint, you can talk, you can sing, you can dance. We're not here to tell you what kind of art it is, but we are opening up a space 
for people who want to bring their creations and share with other creators. And that's going to be in the Genesis building at 7 p.m. on Tuesday. If you want to come and join, it's totally free. There will be some fresh fruit. And we only ask that you come with something to share. It doesn't have to be done. It doesn't have to be have a Grammy. It just needs to exist in some shape or form. Um, and we welcome everybody to come. And I love learning about new types of art. So if you're like, I don't know if this is, just bring it. Cookies are art. I love cookies. Um, uh, and then the next day, which is Wednesday, also at 7 p.m., but we open the doors at 6.30 for a conversation, is take two. So it's an opportunity um, to really listen to what's going on today in the talk and then come on Wednesday and talk to people in the community about really what does this message mean? Uh, what did you think it meant? How does that affect your life? Did you interpret it a different way? And then uh, get an opportunity live to watch Sam talk to one of the members of the community and really uh, dive a little deeper into the concept. So we have AFA Tuesday at 7 p.m. in the Genesis building. Then the next day at 6.30, come and uh, you know meet with the community and talk about what's going on in terms of the sermon series we're doing. That's pretty much it. So Sam, you ready to come back? Yeah. Cool. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jordan. And again, remember, uh, we are able to be here because of your generosity and giving, and we have opportunities for you to give online at thegenesisstory.com. You can see and contribute there. I want to, um, you know, there's been this uh, adjusting that has taken place since a year and a half ago or so when COVID hit and we stopped doing everything. And a lot of the momentum of what we were doing stopped, and we're definitely starting to do things again, but it's going to look different. And so we want to help make it understood by everyone what it is our plans are and what we're doing, especially when it comes to on Sundays and things where we are meeting together. And so we are here, and you can join us any Sunday uh, there is not a restriction. We are not asking you to wear a mask. We are trusting that you will care for yourself and be healthy, uh, whether it's being vaccinated, having masks, that's up to you. Uh, but we are meeting. The, the thing that has been kind of in limbo has been what we are doing with the children because we are not sure all the kids who are going to be coming back and what we are deciding that we are going to do is have a program in place and then let you know what that program is for the kids. And so I say that to let you know that there is not a child care facility or program right now, but there is one being put together that I'm pretty excited about and what it's going to look like. And we will let you know more about when that actually shows up and is developed. But until then... Sunday mornings, you guys can be here, you can join us, and you're welcome to be here, and we want to see this conversation with all of us grow, right, so that we can learn together and live this life of following Christ together. And so this is the opportunity to do that. I know a lot of us are comfortable uh, watching at home when it's convenient. I, I get that. Um, I probably would do it too if I didn't have to be here sometimes, right? But the important thing isn't what 
I am saying as much as it is how we are connecting. They work together. And so we need all of this to happen so that we can grow in a healthy way. And so I, I share that with you guys. So if you are listening and you haven't been coming on Sundays, come on down. Um, and we'd love to see you here. Okay. And then I'll give you more information with the kids as that develops. Well, this morning I'm going to be talking about the posture of prayer. And it's continuing in the Sermon on the Mount, and it's kind of continuing in the politics of Jesus. But I'm going to take two weeks and talk about prayer. This week is going to be kind of a posture in prayer, and next week I'm going to go into the Our Father, as it's known, and deal with it a little bit more directly. But as I start to share this, I have to confess to you guys, prayer is something I struggle with, and it's not like I struggle to pray, it's I struggle understanding it. I I struggle in trying to know where my words go and what God's response is. And if you know me, you know that I'm not given to these quaint little platitudes of, oh, you know, just here, this is what prayer is and everything's simple. Life is not simple. And I don't think God is simple either, although I think he is accessible. And so we're going to start in Matthew chapter six, and I'm going to read verses five through eight to start us off. And Jesus is saying, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Once again, Jesus brings up the idea of hypocrisy that we've talked about, and it is a threat to everything. Remember, there were three forms of righteousness that the religious leaders at this time focused on, and it was that of giving, it was that of prayer, and it was that of fasting. And each of these, Jesus warns them about hypocrisy. Don't put on a mask that covers who you really are. And I think more than in the others at prayer, this is so essential. How do I have a dialogue with anyone if I am covering who I am, if I am blocking myself from being seen. You see, it it stops being about me petitioning or doing something, and it starts to be about me being seen, right? And so this idea, again, of secrecy, and I love this, when you are going to have a conversation with God, go in a closet and shut the door where no one can see because where no one sees is where God is, right? Where no one is able to see, which is what happens in us, is where God shows up. And so this is a beautiful space now for us to encounter God genuinely. And we pray to our Father and seek it because he is unseen and he sees the unseen. And Jesus tells us that, you know, some pray for performance to be seen, 
And others, they pray to be heard, like enough words and God will hear what they say, the right words and God will hear what they say, repeating things and God will hear what they say. And it's not about being seen and it's not about being heard, but it's about being present. Because neither of these seem to capture what prayer is about. And it's interesting because he says, and pray to your father. And and there's a terminology that we have to kind of park and, and talk about for a little bit. Now, we know that God is not a male, right? But the terminology that Jesus is using is that of a parent. And I don't know what your relationship is with your parents or your father. I never had an example of a father really in my life. I didn't have a consistent example. And so the idea of a father for me is more like what I see on TV shows or movies, right? The ideology of a father and what it's supposed to be is something I know. Now, being a father, it takes on a whole different meaning. But maybe you've had a bad example of a father. Maybe you've had a father who was abusive. Maybe you, like me, did not have a father and that absence has maybe haunted you. Don't let the terminology father stop you from understanding what the intent of his words are. And it's really that of a parent, someone who is there to foster and care and guide you in life someone who's there to protect, watch over you, provide for what you need as life goes on. And I know it can be a little bit difficult, but I think we all know what this is supposed to look like. And so you don't have to perform in prayer no more than you would have to perform to gain approval from a father or a parent, and you no more have to impress them with your many words or the right words or say the right things as you would need to impress your father to get their ear. You you see, the dynamic of the relationship affects what is being communicated in so many ways. To approach God as you would an open and loving relationship, someone who who really knows you, someone who has seen you grow up, who's been there for the good and the bad, right? The one who has consoled you when you were young and you wet your pants at school and were embarrassed and had to bring you and let you know, hey, it's okay. Now, I'm not, these aren't confessions of myself, I just want to say, okay? Maybe some are, but I'm not going to let you know which ones are which, right? Someone who has maybe had to be there and hold your hair to keep you from throwing up on it when you were barfing in the toilet or had the flu, right? Someone who was there and bailed you out of jail for shoplifting. Someone who drove you to and picked you up from rehab, the one who completely knows you and still loves you. You see, that's, I don't have to hide because you already know all these things about me. You already know who I really am. You've already been there for me throughout my life, so there's no posturing or pretending that's needed. A relationship where I can feel comfortable being me. You know how it is when you go and you are home. 
right? When you can kick the shoes off, put your feet up on the couch or whatever you do at your home, it's your home and it's okay. It feels better. It feels safe. This is the relationship that Jesus is pushing into this. Now, in the Jewish mind, the idea of a father and son would immediately go back to that of Abraham and Isaac. And I thought this was interesting because I don't see that as the best father-son relationship, right? Because Abraham is told by God, go take your son and sacrifice him. And he says, okay. To me, I don't want a dad like that, right? I don't want a dad who's going to take me into that place. But what is thought of is that there is no greater love that a father has than the willingness to give up that which is most precious to him, which would be a son. The son is not just someone that he loves. It is his future, right? The future of his family name is carried on through the son. And so if he were to sacrifice his son, he is sacrificing himself in a very real sense. And even more than that, he is sacrificing his future. And there is no greater respect than for a son to give his life for his father. That is something that is seen as the ultimate in respect. And so this idea of a father and son is contained through that idea of Abraham and Isaac and presented, as Jesus would say, these words, pray to your father. This is an example that they would think, how they would think these things. And a familiar passage to most of us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That is taken from Abraham and Isaac when God told Abraham, take your son, your only son. So is the correlation there that they would have seen. Culturally, in the Roman world, the father was the head of the family. He is the one who had the power to even accept or reject if a child was born, if that child would stay in the house or not. He had that kind of authority and that kind of power. And as a child, you had three jobs towards your father. One was to enhance the reputation of your father, to let their name be known so that people would show respect to their father because of how you lived. The second was to execute the will of your father, to do what he asked you to do because he was your father. And the third was to make your father's family bigger to get married, have more children, to carry on the family name, which is interesting because we see two of those things take place in the Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name, right? It's enhancing his name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We are continuing the work or working to execute the will of our Father. And at the very end of this sermon, Jesus says that we would go out and make disciples of all nations, continue the family name, so to speak. And, and so this is all a part of what's going on in their minds. This idea of a father means so much more than someone who just helps in giving, you know, making a child. I'll never forget Byron Scott when he was playing for the Lakers and they were in one of the championships. And Byron Scott was raised by foster parents and then when he was famous, his biological dad came on the scene, ta-da, right? And he comes, and he's standing there with Byron Scott, and he's got his arm around Byron Scott. This is the biological dad, and the reporter's talking to Byron Scott. And so how does it feel to be reconnected to your, you know, your dad? And he goes, oh, no, 
this isn't my dad. Anyone could be a father. My dad is the one who stayed and raised me the whole time. And I was just like, whoa. And this guy didn't know what happened. He's just sitting there smiling because he's with Byron Scott. I don't know. But this idea of a father encompassed so much. It was so rich in the culture. And Jesus is going to take this image of father and fill it. And he fills it with someone that is, he calls Abba. The word Abba in Aramaic is a very intimate term. It's more than just a father. It would probably be closer translated to daddy. And Abba is found in all four of the gospel. And it's something that is prevalent. It was the first words that a child would utter. It was set so that the first thing they would say is daddy, because it was supposed to be that intimate to them. And the term father is used for God in the Old Testament about 12 times. Jesus uses it three times just in this short verses, and it's really dealing with the more intimate. He later develops the idea of our father and the petition that I want to include here, and then in next week where we talk a little bit more on it, But to get to this idea of our Father and asking and prayer, I want to turn to Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 7, where Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for a bread... Will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. I want to talk about this passage because it deals with both the Father, and with prayer. And I love this passage. It's filled with such hope, but it's also very troubling, right? At a glance, the Father's present, he's attentive, he's gracious, he's listening, and he wants to do what's good. You get that from this. You get, yeah, God's for you. Just ask, just knock, just seek. But there's some obstacles that I struggle with. You see, it's hard to believe that the father is this quick to say yes because that hasn't been my experience. There's a lot of things I've asked for and have not gotten an answer to. How about you? If the father knows what I need, then why do I even need to ask? You know. So what do you need me to ask? It almost seems like disingenuous. Like, what's the point of me asking if you know what I ask? Can't you just do what you know needs to be done? And I don't think I or anyone has ever experienced the Father in prayer so clearly and easily as described here. Why not? Why does this come across just so beautifully? And in life, it is so 
difficult. This and other passages about prayer, faith, moving mountains, leaves me more in a place sometimes of doubt than of trust, if I'm being honest. Where even though I love the idea of what's being said here, the experience in my life is different. And I struggle with that. How do I put these together? I have a friend who's in the hospital right now And we've been praying for them, not only to find relief from the illness, but for the doctors to understand what the illness is. And it's been going on for a month now. Why can't I just ask and receive? Why can't we just seek and find? Knock and have it open. Why is this taking so long? Even in the prayer request that Rick gave for his boss's wife, Yvonne, who's 49 years old, and on a ventilator with COVID, who it's not looking good. We're asking. We're praying. Are we receiving? I know the answers quickly given to this, because I've said them myself. God answers every prayer. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's not yet. That sounds good. But isn't that the same as God not answering a prayer? Couldn't any of those fall into that place too? If he does, yeah, maybe it was just going to happen. If it didn't, well, maybe it wasn't going to happen. If not yet, maybe it's not going to happen. And here again, we see Jesus gives us a picture of a child and parent relationship. And what I love about this is it's an appeal to what I can understand but have to admit, I still don't fully understand, right? If your child asks for bread, you don't give them a stone. If they ask for fish, you don't give them something unclean, a serpent. And if you wouldn't do that, how much more this father? I may not say it out loud all the time, but I do question if God really cares, if God is really there. Those thoughts enter my mind, enter my heart, being honest. And when a parent's child is really sick and has a rare form of cancer and is slowly losing their life, answering no or not yet is unacceptable to the heart and the pain. If I'm asking for healing for bread and my child dies, it feels like I was given a stone. What do I do with that? There's something at the heart of this that I think I'm I'm missing. We think receive or open or knock means yes. If I'm doing these things, then I'm going to receive a yes. But as a parent, I know that I'm not always able to give a yes to my kids all the time, even when I want to. Might be I don't have enough money. It might be that I don't have the time. It might be that I don't think it's good enough for them. 
or it's the right thing for them. There's a lot of reasons I don't say these things. All this to say is that things are complicated in life. It's not as simple as we'd want to make it. And maybe the ability to request is really at the root of this. Maybe more important than getting the answer that I want is having the father that I need. Before we get to the ask, to have the relationship to be able to ask, to be able to be honest with someone is very important if I'm going to have a healthy relationship with them. What's more important, someone who can give me what I want or someone I can be open and honest to as a child? And sometimes we've seen this in families that are broken and they're divorced and the child is going from one family to the other. And we start to see sometimes this competition between the parents to want the child to like them more. And so I'm going to buy them things. I'm going to try to win their affection by giving them things. I'm going to take them to Disneyland. I'm going to do these things for them so that they will understand how much I like them. And it becomes something that is actually shallow even though the child is getting some good things. So instead of the yes, no or not yet, or if God closes or opens a door, or we hear the term God closes a door, he opens a window, sometimes it just seems like the door is closed. There is no window. But what I'm getting from Jesus' words, and I love how he says, if you then, because I know how I feel about my kids. And I know how I feel about my daughter or my boys. I, I understand that, or even my grandchildren. I know how important that relationship, those relationships are to me. So it's not about the expectation of yes or the door being open. It's about the presence of someone. One of the most sacred moments that I've had with my children was one of the darkest moments. When they were hurting and I couldn't do anything to stop the pain. All I could do was pull over to the side of the road, get out of the car and hold them while they crumpled in a fetal position and just wept. That's all I could do. And so they could ask me, well, you know, can you take this pain away? I I can't, you know, can you tell me why this is happening? No, I can't. Can you change things to to make this go a different way? I, I can't. All I can do is give you my shoulder, my chest to cry on. All I can do is open my arms so that you can be here with me. All I can do step into your heartbreak. That was all I could do. 
And again, it, it is the most difficult thing to recall, but it is one of the things that draw, draws me to this place of deep intimacy with my child because of that moment. I'll never forget that. How much I meant to them at that time and how much that meant to me just to be able to be there at that time. And there's times, again, where I don't think God is there or that prayer matters, but I still find myself able to go to God and say, I don't think you're there. I don't think you care, but I'm here. And maybe that's part of what's happening here. You see, in spite of the lack of faith, in spite of the lack of ability to see, in spite of my not knowing what's going on, I am still able to come. And God doesn't say, no, first you gotta believe that I'm here, otherwise I'm not gonna accept you. First you gotta believe these things. You have to be in the right mind. Maybe even in my doubts and in my darkest moments, I can still come and he is still there. It's strange how when I hear Jesus saying, my father knows what I need before you ask. And I think, well, then why ask? But Jesus thinks, so ask, right? If he already knows what I need, I'm thinking, well, why do I need to ask? And Jesus says, he already knows what you need, so ask. He, he's inviting us to step in closer when I'm thinking, I don't need to. And he's saying, no, you do need to. You see, all these things is about this relationship. It's about drawing us into a presence of someone who loves us, someone who cares about us, like we would our own children, like we would for the people who are most dear to us, the people who are most important to us, the people who we want to see carry on life for us. And Jesus says, he knows what you need, so go to him. Instead of, he knows what I need, I don't need to go to him. No, you even need to go to him more because he does know what you need. It's funny. I remember when I was in high school. I know, it was a long time ago. But I can remember things happening and it was like the end of the world. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna pass this test. Oh my gosh, my girlfriend... She's going to break up with me. And, and I mean, I just thought, this is it. My life is over. And high school ended, and none of those things mattered anymore. I don't think about high school. I haven't been to a reunion. I went to three different high schools, so I got no school spirit whatsoever, right? And then my kids were in high school, and I see the same thing happening to them oh no, you don't understand the stress I'm going through. You don't know, it's the end of the world as I know it. And I wanna say, you lighten up on yourself. I'm telling you, it's gonna be over and you're not gonna care. It's gonna come and go. Now, of course, it's the world to them right now. It's all they know. But I, having gone through that, can see them and try and help them, don't sweat it. One day it won't matter, but of course, right now I understand it does. Prayer for me can be about, I want to control God and I want to get what I want, right? I'm in high school and I need to pass this test. I need to go out with this person. I need and fill in the blanks of what things were so important. Go to that party, 
if I can't go out because I'm grounded, it's the end of the world for me. The father image is about relationship and trust. It's not about controlling or getting what you want. We want to figure out how God works because it gives us a sense of control. And there's a, a certain set of theology that's all about God has everything already figured out and we just have this illusion of freedom, but really it's already written. There's a show on Hulu called um, Devs. It's kind of dealing with this, pretty cool. I don't want to tell you too much, I'll give it away, but it's all about this life is figured out. It's all mathematics, everything's planned. There is no free will. And then there is another ideology in theology that God is like this grand chess master, right? And you're able to make any move you want to, but God can make a counter move and figure out and accomplish his will at the end, right? And the one is called a reform theology and the other is a process theology. But I think Jesus' conception is different. What he reveals here in prayer doesn't really fit into either of those theologies. This is more of a cooperative relational theology, which you can't really define because it varies with each relationship. My relationship with my one son is totally different than my relationship with my other son. That's different than my relationship with my daughter and they all look different. And so it's hard to figure out what God is doing, how God is working when it shows up in such messy ways and is so unpredictable. I want God to be predictable. I, I want to have a, a book that says this is how God is all the time. And then I have this scripture that has all kinds of things that, that I don't get. As God's doing this, why didn't he do that? Why did Jesus spit in the mud and heal this guy's eye and he just say the word and that person got healed? What's with that? Can't he just, why does he have to spit? I don't want the spit in the eye thing. I want the say the word and I'm okay thing. Why is it so different? From very creation, the care of the garden to Abraham through him, all nations would be blessed to the nation of Israel by, to be a light to all nations, to Jesus having the church that is supposed to be the body of Christ. We see that there is this relational aspect of the church. There is a participation with God in prayer is how I learn to participate with God. Prayer is sometimes me being able to lean in and put my head on his shoulder in that secret space, letting him know me and me getting to know him through the relationship. Asking is how God teaches us to align our desires and to be trustworthy of whatever power we have. And and so prayer is living in this relational dynamic. And I think the reason I struggle with this is because I've lost the partnering dynamic of asking and being able to ask and, and maybe just maybe receiving the finding, the opening is not really the answer as it is the presence in the midst of it. Maybe I'm confusing what is really supposed to be happening 
and not seeing what really is happening. You see, on the side of that road years ago with my child, I would not at that time say this is going to be one of the most sacred moments of my life. I would have said this is one of the darkest moments of my life, and I wish I was not here. I wish they were not here. But now standing here, I cannot imagine myself not being there and that not happening. I wasn't there to do anything but be present. And maybe prayer is the opportunity for God to be present in the midst of all the things that we go through. When he was crying in pain for an answer, all I could do was give him a shoulder to cry on. When he was seeking meaning, why is this happening? All I could give him was, I'm here. And when they're wanting a door of hope to be able to walk through, the only one I could do is open the door to my arms and say, I'm here. So maybe the asking, the seeking, the knocking isn't about answers, but about presence. Maybe when we cry, we're not so much looking for those answers, but we're looking for him. We're looking for our father. And when we seek or knock, what we really want to know is that who we are, what we feel, what we're going through matters. Maybe the answer, the purpose, and the meaning of prayer is found in the relationship with our Father. Let's pray. Father, I have so many questions about prayer that I don't know if they will ever be answered. But I am comforted that I can continually ask. I can continually seek and knock. God, that you are a mystery Not a mystery that can never be understood, but a mystery that can endlessly be understood. And so my prayer is for us who cry out to you in prayer, will not lose sight that you are our Father. And that what is happening in the secret places of our heart is already seen by you, and yet the invitation is to come and talk, to ask. And in that dialogue, in this conversation, in the dynamic of this mysterious relationship, may we understand this is prayer. May we not neglect it. May we not control it. May we move into it, we pray. Lord, I do ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
I hope, thank you, Lydia, I hope that you will lean in to your questions. I hope that you will continue seeking and asking and knocking that this dynamic of a relationship with God is something you will pursue. And we want to help in that pursuit. That's why we do what we're doing. And so if you have questions about some of the things I've shared or questions even outside of this, I can't promise an answer, but we can search through them together. We can talk about them. We can have the dynamic of the relationship I believe God wants us to have with one another. I I think that's what church is. And and so again, I'm here afterwards if you guys want to talk. We'll be here Wednesday to continue talking. And I hope you guys will take these conversations and allow them to spark other conversations with one another. And may you understand... Your Father in heaven knows the needs you have before you ask. But what he wants is for you to ask. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. Take care. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.